Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Acts chapter 20. We've got to get ready for the battle. We're living in the last days, praise God. Father, we thank you for the morning. And Lord, we know we're living in desperate days, but we also know because of these signs, we don't know the exact day, we don't know the exact hour. But Jesus said, look for the signs. Look, when the fig tree blossoms, when Israel becomes a nation, when Jerusalem becomes part of Israel, Father, these are definite signs. When, when homosexuality is, is rampant, not just in a location, but around the world, when deviant behavior, sex trafficking, stealing kids off of streets, and then putting them into the sex slave industry. This is horrendous, Father. You're long-suffering, but you are also just. This cannot go on. And so, Father, as believers, we pray for strength in these evil days. We cannot pretend these are not evil days. These are wicked, wicked days. So, Father, help us to seek, to stand in the gap, to pray for those who are going to hell, to reach out, to pass them a track, to give them a Bible, whatever the case may be, to give them that living hope that we have this morning in our lives. For as Bible-believing Christians, we know if we die today, hey, praise you, Father. We're going to heaven to be absent from the bodies, be present with you. We don't have no fear. But Father, there are billions of people living in fear of dying from this virus, not realizing they could die from the normal flu, they could die in a car accident, they could die of a massive heart attack, cancer, so many things, Father. Everybody's going to die. Wake them up to that reality. Nobody's getting out of here alive. And wake us up, Father that we'll be those faithful ambassadors for you to proclaim that they can have a relationship with you, Father, through Jesus. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. Be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're new or visiting, we're pressing on through the book of Acts. Uh, Pastor Durrell is doing the book of Mark. Uh, The ladies are doing Proverbs. Men are doing uh, the book of Ephesians on Tuesday night. So, Here's some aspects. We're just going to throw these up. If you're new, you might want to get your phone ready, take a quick picture, because we have a bunch of aspects. We're going to throw these slides up very quickly, because we've been doing it for several times. So here's the first slide. Going to give you about two seconds. Those are the aspects. Uh, If you've already taken pictures, you don't need to take them again. They're the same as you already have them on your phone. The next slide, here's the next three aspects that we're covering in Christianity. How are we supposed to mature in our Christian faith? And, and when we come to church, we really need to learn practical application. Because if we just have a Bible study and you don't learn something, like how to be, how to walk out your faith, then what's the point of the Bible study? Head knowledge? We've got plenty of head knowledge. We can listen to Christianity all week long and gain head knowledge. We need to learn how to apply that head knowledge. The next three... Uh, allowing the whole word of God to shape our lives. And guys, that's what this, this election is all about. We're not nominating a pastor. We're nominating a president and a party platform. I don't agree with both parties' platforms at all, wholeheartedly. 
So you have to evaluate which is the best one for the days we're living in, which is the most complete to the word of God. And let God be God. The rest will take care of itself. So those are the first nine aspects. And today we're going to look at next uh, 10, 11, and 12. So in verse 29, Acts chapter 20, for I know this, well, actually let's go back to verse 28. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Speaking he here is Jesus. For this I know, and this is Paul, again if you're new or visiting, this is Paul speaking to the elders, the pastors from Ephesus, they're meeting in Miletus. For this I know, after that my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things. And so last week we focused on there's going to be those who are going to attack the church from outside as well as from within. So all of us, all of us need to be aware of the scriptures because there's no way that any church staff could know what's going on. We're not sin sniffers. So we're not walking around trying to find sin, but if sin starts to take place, we need to address it, and then we go to Matthew chapter 18. So please study that. You go to the individual privately. You try to get it right that way. If that doesn't work, you take two or three. You don't get on social media. You don't broadcast it to everybody. Out of respect, out of grace, mercy, out of love, you go privately. If that doesn't work, then you privately go to the church leadership. If that doesn't work, then we go public. If there's no repentance, then we go public. This is a wolf in sheep's clothing. We're not going to, you know, we have to deal with that. That's just reality. And so verse 31, uh, verse 30 there to end it up. Why? To draw away the disciples, those who love Jesus, those who want the word of God, those who are maybe young in the faith, like this teenager that just came up. When he goes to college, they're not going to be promoting the Bible in college. They're going to be taking away the Bible. They're going to be trying to destroy the Bible. The Bible has more historical evidence than any ancient writings. Any ancient writings. This is verifiable beyond a shadow of any doubt. This is science right here. Therefore, watch. I remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone. Notice that. Paul warned them about what? About eternity. We're all marching towards eternity. Warn everyone night and day with tears. So now let's get into our text this morning. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Notice that, the word of his grace. What is the word of his grace? Paul was teaching the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. He was writing the New Testament. And so he's going back to the Old Testament, showing them how Jesus is the Christ and how you need to love everyone, Jew or Gentile. Uh, a great book for you to read. One of the best books in the Old Testament is Jonah. If somebody ever says, well, God doesn't love this such and such a group of people, you say, no, God loves every single person. As we approach 8 billion people on the face of this earth, God loves every single person. And if you look at the book of Jonah, you will find out what God will do for the unbeliever. No one will ever have an excuse for not accepting God, Jesus as their Savior. To do what? Which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. So let's break it down. I commend. It means to, to place beside or near or set before. 
to place beside or near or set before. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, to the word of God. So I'm setting you beside God. I'm setting you beside the word of God because I'm leaving. I'm leaving. You see, Paul has been instructing the pastors here, but he also gave them an example of the faith over a three-year period that we just read about. He was with them in the good times as well as the hard times. They had observed his Christian walk, and now it was time for them to walk on their own. It is time to leave them, and he does, not, he does what every parent must eventually do. He must. He places their care and lives into the hands of our loving Heavenly Father. You see, as a parent of four children, they are now all in their 30s, I think that this has been one of the hardest things to ever do. You see, we bring up our children to the Lord and we dedicate them when they're babies, but they're still our responsibility to nurture them and help them mature in the ways of the Lord. We are there for them during the good, hard, happy, and sad times, and, and we are there through the triumphs and struggles. Matter of fact, we know them so well. We know them so well that we're able to identify their strengths and weaknesses. And when I do marital counseling, this is one thing that I point out to every single couple that, that they've forgotten, that every person has strengths and every person has weaknesses. And in your marriage, for those of you who are married or those of you who are going to be married in the future, you need to learn your strengths and weaknesses because God brings someone into your life that has the opposite, I believe. Not totally opposite, but has some of the opposite strengths. My weaknesses are Claudia's strengths. And my strengths are Claudia's weaknesses. And you have to learn how to work together and be humble enough to say, hey, I need help. Can you help me? Yes. Don't beat up the other person with your strength. If your strength is a strength and then you use it to beat the other person up, your strength has now become a billy club and now it's a weakness. Now it's a weakness and it now damages your marriage instead of blessing your marriage. Yet they grow and take on their own responsibilities and it's hard at times for us to let them go and see them off. Why? Because we know about the trials that may lay ahead of them and we desire to help them avoid these pitfalls that fall into them, that we fell into ourselves. Yet it is a part of growing up and the building of their own personal faith and trust in the Lord. I guess there's a new term out now. You know, there used to be that term helicopter parents where parents would hover over their kids, wrap them in bubble wrap and not let anything happen to them. Well, now there's the term, I guess, lawnmower parents. And lawnmower parents go before their kids and get everything out of the way because we don't want little Johnny to get hurt. Let him get hurt. That's how they learn. That's how they grow. Did you, did you have parents like that? My parents were like, get out of this house, go play out in the yard, get hurt. Go play in the dirt. There's bugs in the dirt. It's going to build up your immunities. Have a good time. My mom was a nurse. Now, she didn't say that, but years later, that's what she was doing. And you know, do you believe in science? How many of you believe in science? Do you know science has proved that to this day? It's good for kids to play in dirt. Do you believe in science? Yes. Say yes, I do. And then start giving them some wonderful examples. At a certain point, we have to commend them into the hands of our loving Heavenly Father for we can no longer be with them. They're not under our roof. It can be a joy and yet sorrowful time in this life. And, and I was hoping that the Lord would return before that time had to come. I know that I wept when a few of ours left. And a few I was quite happy about. 
So here we see Paul, the spiritual father of his fellowship, saying goodbye for what he believes is the last time. You see, he has to let his spiritual children go, so to speak. But as we see it, it was a time for tears as well. We have noticed, though, that Paul hasn't set them up for failure, nor does he send them off unequipped. For parents today, that if you're a parent, don't send your children off for failure unequipped. Give them the word of God, whether they want to hear it or not. Give them the word of God. You see, he has been used by God to help establish them in the faith and for success in that faith. Yes, the children need to accept the faith. They cannot get to heaven in our faith. If you're here today as a young adult, you think you're going to heaven because you come to Calvary Chapel and your parents have faith and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you're not. Let me make it crystal clear, you're going to hell. That's what the word of God says. You're old enough to know right from wrong. You're old enough to know what sin is. And if you choose to sin, you stiff arm God as a teenager. You're saying, I don't care. I'll take my chances. I would not take your chances because you're going to lose. You better receive Jesus as your Savior. You're not getting to heaven by your parents' faith. He reminds them of the key ingredient which he has so diligently taught them over the years, the grace of God. You see, just a few short years from now, Paul is going to, be, to write from a Roman prison a wonderful letter to church of Ephesus. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 13. He will remind them about the blessed truths of God's goodness and grace towards them. And we're actually going through this with the junior hires on Wednesday night. So if you have junior high children, I encourage you to come to church. We're going through the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters are God's riches or God's wealth. The next two and a half chapters are our walk or our responsibility. And then the last half of chapter six is our warfare. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace... You have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works. Notice this. You cannot be religious enough to get to heaven. Saul, who was Paul, was a very religious man, and he acknowledged, I was going to hell, being a very religious person. And you could not be above Saul. Saul knew Hebrew. Saul knew Greek. Saul knew Aramaic. He could read it. He could write it. He had it down. How about you? You know those three languages? Hebrew, Greek, Latin? I barely know English. He was, very, he was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. That's in the Catholic Church. That's a bishop. No, a cardinal. That would be like a cardinal. You know, when a pope dies or has to step down, they select a new pope from those only few cardinals. And that's, that's what he was. He was that righteous in his own eyes. Self-righteous and going to hell but he was that righteous. Not of works lest anyone should boast, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, every Bible-believing Christian, created in Christ Jesus for good works, not for killing babies, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, I gotta say this. When somebody stands up and says, Joe Biden and me, we are people of faith, what is your faith? That's a fair question to ask. What is your faith? You're willing to kill a baby? Is that your faith? Then you're not people of faith. You're people of religion. Don't tell me you're people of faith trying to insinuate that you're a Christian because you're not a Bible-believing Christian if you're willing to kill a baby even up to nine months. 
No, don't bother telling me that nonsense. Which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you once, once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. So the Jews called the Gentiles unfit for heaven, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. You weren't saved. You were unbelievers, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Guys, that's, that's the same today. That's the same today. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by all of your religious activities. Is that what your Bible says? By the blood of Christ. Only because of the cross. And that's what we got to remember, guys. It's not about Republican, Democrat. It's about the cross. It's about the cross. These guys are in their 80s. They might rule over, one of them's going to rule over America for the next four years, but they're going to die. And if they don't know Jesus as their Savior, they're not ruling over anything. That's what we need to be praying for is their salvation as well as for them to have wisdom on how to run this country because we are spinning out of control. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul also reminds them of the inheritance that they have now within the body of Christ. And when we hear inheritance... We often think of it as monetary. It's a blessing from a a relative who passed away. But here Paul reminds the elders of what their true inheritance is. That they will be spending eternity with one another and with all those who have received Jesus as their Savior. Those who have become sanctified. And the word sanctified means holy and set apart. You as a believer, whether you like this or not, God looks at you as holy and unblameable in his sight. Now, I think we would all raise our hands, so I'm not even going to ask, did any of you sin this past week? Yes, we all sin. I'm not holy. Heaven to earth, you're holy and unblameable no matter what you think. From earth to heaven, yes, we make mistakes, and we need to get right and ask for forgiveness. But from heaven to earth, you're always holy, always. God sees you as holy. Why? Because he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we should just go out and sin like crazy because we're forgiven. No, 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 no. God forbid, Paul says. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So again, we often think of inheritance as monetary. That's very short-sighted. Guys, we're going to heaven. Yeah, leave it for the kids. They'll waste it. But store up treasure in heaven, as Jesus said. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. See, guys, that's the reality. All of us, before we knew Jesus, we were sinners going to hell. We might have been pretty sinners. We might have been good at covering our sin. Nobody knows but me. You'd still know, don't you then? You were a stinking sinner. But you were justified just as if you never sinned. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit, Holy Spirit of our God. Notice the triunity of the Godhead right there in that one verse. Again, over and over and over again, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. So we look back in Acts 
Praise be to God that our inheritance is eternal in the heavens. So with this verse, as far as looking into the aspects of the ministry, I see that we need to be willing to go, let go of those we've discipled, allowing them to move on in the ministry and not take their possible leaving personally. But we need to be discipling. I hope you heard me say that. Every Christian should be discipled and being discipled. Every Christian. If it's working in the Sunday school, then you're discipling little stinking sinners that need a savior. But you're discipling. You're part of the women's ministry. You're being discipled, but yet you should go out and disciple somebody else. Just don't leave it up to, oh, that's the pastor's job. No, it's not. It's your responsibility as well. So who are you discipling? We need to be discipling. It's just a part of growing up even within the ministry. So the 10th aspect, be ready to let others go. God will take care of them. It's hard to let sometimes somebody go that you've discipled. Somebody that's been in the church and they come up and say, and please, I encourage you to do this. I hear this from other pastors. Um, if you're here and, you're, and you decide to come to this church, make sure you said goodbye to the previous ministry that you left. Oh, I don't want to do that. Why? They served you for how many years? And you just walk away? That's rude. That's not love. That's not Christian. Go and love them and say, hey, you know what? We just feel like it's our time to leave. Thank you for serving us. Thank you for ministering to me and my family. I just want to thank you, but you know what? It's time for us to leave. And if they're a healthy pastor, they're not going to try to get, convince you to stay. Well, if people would say that to me, a few have, very few have. So here's a mild rebuke. If you leave, please say goodbye. I'm not going to try to get you to stay. I'm going to bless you and say, God bless you. Praise God. Go. Go where God calls you. I don't want you to be here if you're not called to this church. Go. Go where God's called you. Not where you're comfortable. Not where there's smoke and loud music. Go where you're called. And then be ministered to and then minister. Don't just be a constant consumer. Verse 33, Acts chapter 20. And I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. This nest aspect is one that can destroy a ministry as well as a person's life. I have coveted. I have coveted. It means to set the heart upon, to long for. To set the heart upon, to long for. Now, I'd like to share two examples of this word from the scriptures. One in the negative sense, because often when we hear that, we think of it as negative, but there can also be a positive sense. Galatians 5.17 says this. This would be the negative sense. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. So we all have flesh as believers. That flesh is fleshly desires. We have healthy desires for air, water, food. But we have those unhealthy desires, uh, pornography, uh, abusing alcohol, abusing drugs, uh, lying, cheating, stealing. That's what's called the flesh in the body. I mean, the flesh in the word of God, that spiritual flesh. But we also have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. I know we do these in all caps, but that's the Holy Spirit there. And these are contrary to one another. If you're new to the faith, it's very important for you to realize this. As you have a battle, when you are a child, every child has this. Every child is born with a conscience. Every child. You ask a three-year-old, did you just do that? They instinctively know that they did something wrong. And what do they do? They look down. They look away. 
You haven't even said what they've done yet. But that's our conscience. As a believer now, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. So now when you do something, the Holy Spirit says, should you have done that? And you start to look down. You start to look away. You're like, what is that? What is that? Is my mom watching over me? That's the Holy Spirit convicting us that we would repent. And the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. How about something positive? Hebrews 6, 10 through 11. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Verse 11, and we desire, we desire, those two words there, it's the same root word that we're studying right now in Acts. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That's a positive That's a positive. Coveting something positive. I I want to come along with that is. I want to, let me read that definition again. Because I'm going to mess it up otherwise. Get in my, uh stick with me. Hang in there. To set the heart upon. So setting your heart upon something positive. that's, That's nothing wrong with that. To long for. There's nothing wrong for that. Matter of fact, Paul uses the same root word when he says you, you desire the office of a bishop. That's the same root word. You desire a good thing. In the ministry, we need to be careful that we don't look at it as a way of getting ahead financially or otherwise, which unfortunately has caused thousands to leave the church these days because that's what they see on Christian Fiction Channel. Multiple houses, multiple cars, boats, planes, And yes, this applies to every believer, not just full or part-time church staff. God knows what we need, and he can provide that through various means. So we always need to remember that God is the one who provides, and not look at what others have, or allow our heart to desire what they have. That would be the negative sense. In the positive sense, it's okay to desire godly things. Just don't allow that to be based on envy, jealousy, or some other evil desire. So the next aspect... Guard your heart against covetousness. Always seek pure motives. So again, desiring something healthy is not wrong, but you have to make sure you're not doing it out of envy, jealousy, or some other evil desire. Verses 34 and 35. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. And I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of our Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Last aspect, aspect, work hard and give freely. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You see, there's no question that if you're able to work, then you should. There's absolutely no question. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. The Holy Spirit within us teaches that, as well as the scriptures. And indeed, you do so towards all the brethren that are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. That you also aspire to lead, now listen to these things that a Christian, that should, should be an example or exemplified in a Christian's life. 
that you should also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. So Paul taught them this, and now he puts it in writing for all of us. That you may walk properly towards those who are outside, and they may, you may lack nothing. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10, we read this. Paul writes, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Now he's talking about people in the church. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about people in the church. He wrote to believers. So if you're a believer, you're able to work, and you're choosing not to work because you don't want to, you want a free ride, you are sinning. You are sinning, and you need to get right with Christ. Now, if you can't, obviously, praise God. There's situations like that. Notice what I said, if you're able to do it. Paul's earthly occupation was a tent maker, and he wasn't afraid to physically work to provide for his necessities. This was and always will be a reality that we all need to live in. Unfortunately, there is a new mentality working its way into our culture. This is where socialism comes in. That things should be guaranteed and that they should also be free. And you're hearing this on the campaign trail. Free education, free health care, free this, free that. You know, where, you know, where it's gonna come, you know where, why it's going to be free? Because all your money is going to be taken from you so those who don't want to work get it for free. Wake up and vote accordingly. That's reality. This is not going to appear out of thin air. The money has to come from somewhere. Well, we shouldn't have to pay our professors. Let them teach for free. Oh, they don't have a house? They don't have a family to support? You should have free school, but the professors? Let them work after hours as a taxi driver? Hello? Everyone is supposed to work. No exemptions. You see, it doesn't work well for any society. Any society. Check out societies where this is taking place. It does not work. And the scriptures clearly teach us that. Work is a key component of this life, and it's a good thing. Think about this. Think about this. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, what did God do? The Lord Jesus, where we learn from Colossians, spoke everything into being. He spoke the garden into being. He created Adam. And then what did he tell Adam to do? Adam, lay around. Just lay around. I'm going to get you a big screen. You're going to have a video. You're going to have a Game Boy. You're going to have everything. Adam, just lay around. Just take it easy. You don't have no responsibilities, Adam. No, what did he tell Adam to do? Take care of the garden. Adam, this is your baby. I would have loved it. Chainsaw? Man, I would have went crazy. Take care of the garden. Work from the very beginning. Take care of the garden. How are we doing? We need to take care of the earth. Do we believe in science? Yes. Are there problems? Yes. So let's take care of the earth. What's so hard about that? Do our part. But make sure you're going over to China and telling them the same thing in India who pours raw sewage and all their trash into the ocean? Yeah, go over and tell them. March that beat over there and see how it works over there. Because that's we're doing our part. How about the rest of the world? But we have to come down, guys. Big picture, we have to come down. As the musicians come up,
America has to come down. Hate to bring you the bad news, but it's not bad news, it's good news. Revelation 13, please read Revelation 13. There is going to be a one world government, there is going to be a world world religion, and there is going to be a one world monetary system, whether you like it or not. The one world monetary system is right around the corner. 85%, I looked it up the other day, 85% of all financial transactions are done electronically. 85%. Cash could go away today. Is all I got to say is we're done. Turn in your cash. We're going cashless. Well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay, don't. Hold on to your cash. It's not going to be worth anything because January 1st, we're going cashless. Eat your cash. Have fun with it. You're not going to have a say in the matter, guys. Are we having a say in the matter now? Is anybody having a say in the matter in Virginia? Hey, you're trampling on our rights. Is anybody, do they have a say? What did, what did those legislators in Virginia say? We don't care. You are going to become like the rest of us. You are a Christian. You're a thorn in our side. You are the problem and you are going to obey or we will re-educate you. That's what's being said in Virginia. And that's what's coming to a state near you called California and then to Arizona and the rest of the country. Very quickly, very quickly. The birth pains, the birth pains. I, I'm going to totally mess this up, but it popped into my mind. There's an area in California that normally has 300 earthquakes or tremors in a whole year. Southern California, there's an area. I don't, I don't know where it is, but... No, it's not that because I would have remembered that. But there's an area that has tremors. And, and, and in the last month, 300, 350 for the whole year, in the last month, they've had over 150, and one was a 4.6. In the last month, the birth pains are getting close, and they're getting closer together. Jesus is coming back, guys. Father, we thank you and praise you that even though things are getting worse, that's better for us because that just means we're going to go home our eternal home. But Father, when we leave people behind, are we giving them any ammunition? Are we giving them the word of God? They don't need, they're not going to need bullets. They're going to need the word of God because they're going to die. They're going to go to hell if they don't know Jesus. Tribulation is nothing compared to what we've ever seen. So Father, as believers in these last days, help us to be awake, to be alert, and to reach people for Jesus. This could be our last shot. For your son is coming back. It's a guaranteed promise. Your word has never failed and it never will. Jesus is coming back for his bride, the church, to take us off this earth. And then, tribulation, like this world has never seen, Your wrath, your judgment is going to be poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. Use us this week, Father, to reach people for your Son. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.